0: Lord, as we get ready to open the word that you spoke to us, I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive it. Lord, I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand, understand you better, understand what you desire for us, Lord. I ask your help to speak it out, Father God. And I thank you very much, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, let's just... Jump right in. If you've got your Bible, turned to Isaiah 64. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Iris. It's one of my favorite psalms. How's everybody today? Amen. Merry Christmas to you all. Last night, Jonathan wished me a Merry Christmas. He said, well, it's not really Christmas yet. I said, it's the Christmas season, Jonathan. You can wish me a Merry Christmas as many times as you like. So Isaiah 64, look down at verse 8. It says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. So God's the potter, we're the clay. We get this idea of God molding us and shaping us into what He into the vessel that He desires us desires us to be. You know, and and He's He's like He's He's fashioning you into this work of art. You know, I like that. And, uh, you know, there's something comforting about the idea that it's the father's hand. See, it's not just a generic potter. They start off, but now, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You're the potter. So there's something comforting about that, that it's your father who is molding you. Yeah. Now, um, we're all vessels that God's molding even if the potter makes two vessels of the same style and from the same type of clay both works are going to be unique they must be they may be similar but they must be unique every Christian Christian's unique we all have different giftings and abilities that God's given us we come in all shapes and sizes you know and at the same time, every, every piece of pottery in existence has some similarities to other pot, pottery. You know, For example, they all need to have pieces of rock and debris removed from them before they can be uh, fashioned into a, a vessel. They all need to soak and then dry a bit before it can be done, be molded and shaped and then put into the fire. So, you know, if you've ever taken a pottery class, you learn that some clays are easier to work with than others. Just like some people are easier to work with than others. Even for God, some people are difficult to work with. It's like, well, he's God and nothing's too difficult for him. No, nothing's too difficult for him. But, you know, is it not true that some Christians resist him? when he tries to give them some new direction or get them to do something, you know. And Jesus told the people, he's talking to the people, he said, you call me Lord, but why don't you do what I say? But see, where other lesser potters might fail with more difficult clay, our God is the master potter. Even so, there will be some some more difficulty with certain people and some more time involved with certain people. I've been a stubborn piece of clay before. But with a person that is willing to be formed, God will form them into a vessel of the perfect shape for the call that he has on their life. When a potter makes a vessel, okay, it's just in the natural, they make a they 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 put it on the wheel, they spin it, and then before they get ready to fire it, they put a they 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 put a character on it. They they put something a, a sign on it, a, a mark, a, 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 a something to say this is something that I have made. Turn with me over to Hebrews one. I'm taking my time with this one today. Hebrews one we're going to look down we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 3 here it says God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory this is Jesus Jesus is the brightness of God's glory being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, we know this is it's talking about Jesus. I want to focus on that second phrase there in verse 3. He is the express image of his person. Who is Jesus the express image of? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We know the Father through Jesus. That is how you know Him. That is how you learn about Him. That is how you understand the Father, is through Jesus. He's everything, everything, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is exactly like I am. Okay, but is the, it says here, Jesus is the express image of his person. You know, uh, the NLT says that Jesus expresses the very character of God. That's actually the closer translation. The, those words express image or the very character there. That the image, it's translated from a Greek word, which is where we get our modern word Character. And it's pretty much spelled the same way in the Greek if you transliterate it into English. But well, when we use that word "character," when we do that these days, we're we're talking about usually a person's uh, moral standards or their what are they doing when no one no one is watching? The Integrity, character. They're, they're a person of great character. We kn- we can trust that this person will always do the right thing, right? Well, now uh, the reason that I that I believe that we Uh, Mean that mean we take character when someone says it that way is because of this verse right here Because the original greek word there for image means a graver Like well, what's a graver? Well, you know what an engraver is thats somebody who engraves things The graver is the tool that they use to do the engraving So, So when he says jesus is the express image Of god's character. He's saying he's the graver he is the, the, the perfect stamp of God, of the Father, okay? And so it's kind of like that stamp that you might take and press it into clay when it's still soft to, to make an image. So the, the primitive root suffix of that word character means to scratch, to make a mark on. If I've scratched something, I'm, I'm, putting, a, I'm putting a mark on it. And actually, the word can also mean to imprint on the soul. (laughs) Think about that. Turn with me from here to Ephesians chapter 1. And when we get there, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified to you. Ephesians chapter 1. So out of the Amplified, it says, in him, that's in Christ, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. Well, Father and Spirit and, and Son are one, but you, notice that you, you, are, you are stamped with the Holy Spirit through Christ it's in him he said in him when you heard when you believed you were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit what does what, so if you had a if you had a physical stamp that looked exactly like God Jesus would be that stamp or that graver God himself being the engraver because st- who were you stamped by? The Father. The Father stamped you. He scratched you. So the, the it's the person, that's the one who actually takes the graver and they press it into the material to make the mark. So from here, turn with me to Luke 2. Luke 2. Talking about the potter and the clay. Lord, help me be moldable clay. Luke 2. No, we're not reading the Christmas story. (laughs) Look over at uh, verse 41. And we actually just recently looked at this story, but we'll look at it in a little bit more detail now. Verse 41. His parents, that's Jesus' parents, uh, Mary and Joseph, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement. Which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, notice it says Jesus was subject to his parents. We talked about this, like I said, pretty recently. And I believe that God was very deliberate about who he chose to be the parents for Jesus and the earth. Says the teachers were amazed at Jesus' understanding and his answers. Well, where did he get that understanding of God's word, I wonder? Says that Jesus was subject to his parents. Because people can say, well, you know, he's Jesus. He's the son of God. Well, but it says right here, he increased in wisdom. Why? Because he was subject to his parents. He laid aside his divine privilege when he came to the earth. So he, he saw fit to grow in stature and wisdom the way, the same way we do. So it, 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 it says he's subject to his parents. Well, I mean, his parents must have loved God's word, must have loved God. You know, and so he's subject to them the same way that the clay is subject to the potter. God would not have left his son to be brought up by people that would not have done a good job. Now notice in verse 49, Jesus said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And he's, he's surprised because they must have talked about God's business at home all the time, I think. And, and it's interesting, the business he's talking about, he's like, what's, what's his father's business? Sitting, sitting in the temple, listening, asking questions about God. So there's a lot to be said about that. The first thing is notice he, he, he's in the temple. He's sitting in the temple. He was where God's presence is. Need to be about my father's business. Need to be in my Father's presence. So getting into God's presence is part of his business for us. And then he's also listening and asking questions. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said that part of God's business is being is, is listening? And asking questions. Or you could say being moldable. Remember, after this time of molding and shaping, Jesus now expresses, after this time, this time, where he's being subject to his parents, growing in wisdom and stature, after all that, and then after three and a half years of ministry, after going to the cross and all that, the word said, after all that molding and shaping he went through, Jesus now expresses The very character of God. (laughs) The words that he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so we we are students of Jesus in this life, are we not? Remember, Jesus said that a student is not greater than his teacher, but anyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Jesus said this. In other words, you can have his likeness. You can't become greater than Jesus, but you can have his likeness. You can be like him. So all training that Jesus gives us is perfect training. It's perfect because it comes from him. He's perfect. However, the amount of his perfect training that we can receive and operate in is limited by how teachable and how moldable we are. How moldable we choose to be. When we taught that message on choose the good soil, what kind of soil will you be when God scatters his seed on you? How much are we going to allow him to shape our lives? Every Christian who spends time in the Word is receiving perfect training, but not every Christian will come out perfectly trained. What I'm trying to get at is, how much like Christ will we look when he returns for us? Ephesians chapter 4 talks about coming to the fullness of the stature of Christ. It's a process. The Christian life is a process. It takes time, and we mess up, and we make mistakes, but we get back up again. And the further we come in the process, the more God can then trust us with. I met a lot of Christians who are like, well, I've been sitting in the same thing for a long time. God hasn't given me more. It's like, well, have you proved yourself faithful in this thing that he's given you to do? A lot of people want to get to the next thing before they can start with the first thing. And I know that you all understand that very well. So I won't spend a lot of time on it, but it's true. So in the natural, before the potter can work the clay, the clay must go through a process. First, they dig it out of the ground. And, you know, just like Jesus, didn't he call us out of the world? And so then the, the potter, you know, he takes the, takes the rocks and the twigs out of the clay. In the Christian life, Jesus deals with the big issues of life first with us, the big stuff. Forgiveness, loving others, watching what we say. And then with the clay, though, you know, the potter adds water to the clay so that the smaller impurities, after they've taken out all the big junk, they add water to it, and then the smaller impurities start to rise to the surface, and they can... They can scoop that out of there. In the Christian life, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. As we spend time in the Word, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He brings brings things to the surface that we need to part with. Little things. It's like, that's not pleasing to God. This little thing. We're in. The Old Testament, Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We talked about that pretty recently, too. So then they take the clay and they place it on a wheel, where it's molded and it's shaped. And see, the clay, after the clay is shaped into the vessel, see, then, then the potter puts his mark on it. And as we spend time walking with Jesus, we begin to take on more and more of his traits. You ever spent time with someone for a long time and after a while you notice that you start to take on their some of their mannerisms and kind of talk the way that they talk? And it just comes just as a byproduct of just spending time with them. We start to resemble Jesus' likeness, as it were. You could say we are scratched. We are, uh, people begin to identify us with him. So, you know, if you said out loud, Jesus is your Lord, you believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead. You have been scratched by God. He has marked you to show that you have a new nature. And that he is the one who has formed you or formed into you that new nature. Just like a potter shapes clay. And notice that he does that the moment you accept Jesus. In that very moment in the, is the transition from death to life. He declares you to be alive in him. And he does that by scratching. He, he's put his mark on you, he has pressed Jesus into you. Or he's, he's placed his character on you. Christ in you, you in Christ. Remember, that's really what that's what that was about when Jesus was talking about and he was like father as you are in me and i am in you let them be in us and and they'll be in you and i'll be in 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 you and you, and all that that's that what this is about that's what this is about remember that scripture in Isaiah 49:16 i didn't remember it before i looked at i had to look it up but i remembered the verse just didn't know the address but Isaiah 49:16 says I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. God said this before Jesus was born. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. So then you have marked him too. This is a beautiful exchange. Jesus took our bad things and gave us his good things. So he, he marks you for good things. God, God scratched you right when you accept Jesus, just as the potter scratches a work of clay before he puts it into the fire. It, it, and see, life here is a trial by fire. Because you know as well as I do that we've all been scratched by the world as well. Some of us carry a lot of wounds from other people or things that have happened in life. They have marked us. A couple weeks back. No, it was it was a lot further.